Well, it's a great privilege to be able to bring the word of God to you this morning. Um, we've been really blessed by the church here. I don't know, if you're watching on YouTube and you've never actually come to the church, when the church reopens, can I encourage you to come? Uh, so welcoming. We've been really welcomed as a family um, and it's, it's been a great blessing to us. So um, pick up your courage. I know it's hard sometimes going to a new place, but come and find a, a really warm welcome here. Don't know if you were um, looking at the preview on YouTube for Sunday that, that Roger did uh, this week, but as he did, he talked about his friend uh, Gordon. Now, very sadly, Gordon uh, passed away recently, um, but he was someone who had a very significant influence on the world around him, on his church that he was pastor of, and uh, well beyond that as well. Uh, lots of people uh, came to know about the Lord Jesus through him who were they were encouraged and blessed by him in all kinds of different ways. Uh, and Roger said, wouldn't it be great if, if we could have that kind of impact on the community around us, whether that's the church here or whether us individually? And we, we need people like that at the moment, don't we? We need people who are able to have that kind of positive impact 2020 has uh, caused a lot of people to be searching, perhaps to be asking questions that um, they haven't asked for a long time or perhaps have never asked before. Searching questions, big questions about life, spiritual life, death, what happens after death. Of course, one of the, the problems with um, a situation like we're in at the moment is the people who are needy tend just to get more needy. There needs to, uh, there's, there's more pressure on the caregivers um, to be able to help and cope. And that's why we ended up coming back to the UK early, uh, is because my mum's ill and we didn't really know the situation with coronavirus. Um, our college had been closed in Zambia because of coronavirus. So we ended up coming back early to help take care of mum. Her needs had grown because of the situation. And so caregivers themselves can find themselves uh, run off their feet um, just uh, running on, on empty in many ways. And so we start asking big questions. Does God care? That's not a question that is alien to the Bible. You'll find it. People in the Bible, does God care? God, where are you? If he does care, how does he care? How do we know the, the care of God now, today? And maybe as a church you're asking, well, how can we, we show that care? As a, as a church, it's right, isn't it, that we want to have uh, an impact on the community around about us. But we don't want to have an impact for the sake of having an impact. <laughs> it's because of uh, the love and the compassion that we've received from our Father in heaven through the Lord Jesus Christ that we want to share that with other people. We don't want to keep it for ourselves like the hungry person who comes across a banquet where there is nobody, rather than just feeding themselves, they want to go and tell everybody else, come and find this food. In the same way with this, the great love and compassion that we've received from the God of heaven, we want to be able to share that with the world around us. And this um, miracle of Jesus, the feeding of the 5,000, I think that's going to help us think about what it takes. What does it take 
for a church to have compassion on, if you like, the crowd around the church, to have an impact on the world around us. But not just that, it's also going to help us to think about, well, how about the people in the church who are running themselves ragged? <laughs> Where's the compassion for, uh, for them from God, and how does, how does that work out? So we're going to look at this passage together. Uh, let me pray as we do that. Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much for the opportunity to uh, hear uh, what the Spirit has spoken and continues to speak. And we pray, Lord, that as we listen, we would know your voice in our hearts uh, to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So this all starts with uh, Jesus' compassion for his crew. Crew is a slightly crowbarred in word, but I wanted a sea, so I'm using crew. They were on a boat, at least for part of it, so let's go with that. Uh, Jesus' compassion for his disciples, for his people. Um, as you read the passage, verse 30, we see the apostles returning a little bit earlier on in chapter 6 from verse 7. Uh, we see that Jesus has sent the apostles out two by two. Um, he's given them authority to deal with the spiritual situation they're going to face, particularly evil spirits. Um, and they've gone out and they've done what Jesus has been doing. If you remember the beginning of Mark's gospel, what Jesus continued to do was to preach about the kingdom of God. Repent and believe the good news. The kingdom of God is near. And the apostles basically seem to be doing the same thing. What they did is they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. And in doing that, they faced spiritual opposition, which they had authority from Jesus to, to deal with. Um, my guess is, is it was hard work. Um, However much hard work it was or it wasn't, it was very successful work, it seems. Um, what they're doing is, is drawing people to Jesus. And so as they come back to Jesus, thousands of people have come back with them. In fact, it's so busy, Mark tells us, that they don't even have time to stop and eat. That's pretty busy. Jesus can see that the disciples are tired. Uh, he can see that they need to come away and to rest a while. And so although there's these many thousands of people who are coming and need to see him, who the disciples are deliberately brought to see him, Jesus actually realizes, hold on a moment, we need to go away a while because the disciples need a rest. He has compassion for his crew, for his disciples. Just as a car can't run without fuel, you need your petrol or your diesel or your battery charged, and so a person can't run without energy, physical energy, obviously, but emotional energy and spiritual energy. There's a, a famous Scottish preacher called Robert Murray McChain, who very sadly died when he was 29, very young, and before his death he said this, the Lord gave me a message and a horse. I've killed the horse. I can no longer take the message. The horse, of course, was his body. He'd, he'd run himself into the ground, and so he was no longer able to carry on sharing the message because he was going to die. He'd run himself into the ground that much. I don't think that pleased the Lord. I don't think Robert Murray McChain thought that pleased the Lord. And we see here Jesus concerned for his people who need 
a rest. Come away and rest a while by yourselves to a deserted place. The the needs of the crowd were pressing, weren't they? But in the end, the needs of the crowd couldn't be met if Jesus and his disciples were completely worn out. It's interesting, actually. I mean, they go away, don't they? And then they get to the shore, and there's 5,000 people plus there. (laughs) We'll get to that. Slightly ironic. But after this, if you read on to the next bit of the account, Jesus sends the crowd away in one direction, the disciples away in another direction, and then he goes away on his own to spend time with his father. It's something Jesus himself needed to do. If we're going to be able to have compassion on people around us, we first need to be in a place where we're receiving the compassion of Christ himself. That's the place we need to start, isn't it? I have to say I smiled to myself uh, slightly wryly when uh, Roger asked me to preach and he said this was the passage. So um, March this year, I was still in Zambia and I was shattered. I was, honestly, I was kind of falling apart a bit, actually. Um, And we ended up having to make a a snap decision to come home because of mum. And as we spent more time at home, I realized actually part of what the Lord was doing was saying to me, come aside and rest a while. Uh, And um, it's it's been an enormous blessing. You know, there's been times when I've, I've been sat praying and reading my Bible and finding life really quite hard. But it's been as if Jesus was sat next to me. And as I've been praying and reading, it's almost as if he's answering my prayers from the scriptures um, on the spot. (laughs) It's been some amazing and some very sweet times. So it made me smile very significantly when Roger said, Mark 6, please. (laughs) You know, the bit where Jesus says, come away and rest a while. (laughs) We need it. I think part of the reason that that I have this passage to preach today, um, part of the reason for myself, is to reinforce to me, Chris, remember this. When you get back to Zambia, I'm guessing we're not going to have 5,000 students when we get back, (laughs) but it's going to be busy. And you need to remember to take time aside, because otherwise you will not have the spiritual, emotional, physical energy to do the work that I've got for you in that situation. So we see, first of all, don't we, Jesus' compassion for his people, his compassion for his, his crew. And for us, therefore, to have compassion on those around us, we need to make sure we're spending time with him because in the end it's his compassion for the world around us that we're, we're taking with us. What, what we need is, is that inner renewal, that that work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts as we spend time with Christ. Only then are we going to be the kind of people who are able to show compassion to the people around us. Uh, If you're a Christian, if you're serving in a church, and perhaps particularly this year, you might be finding yourself quite tired. You might be finding yourself drained. And I would ask you, are you spending that time deliberately taking time out, switching off the mobile phone, (laughs) going where the internet isn't, 
finding a quiet space where you can sit down with the Lord and and, uh, take in from his word and pray. Where you can be recharged, rejuvenated, strengthened for a while so that you can then go back and serve with the Lord Jesus at your side. So compassion for his crew and compassion for the crowd. This is, this is one of the stories in the Bible that always makes me laugh a little bit. So they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves, verse 32. Verse 33, now many saw them going and recognized them, and uh, they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. <laughs> you can imagine the scene, can't you? Look, hey, they're getting in a boat. Where are they going? Watch, watch which way they go. Which way? Which way? That way. Let's go. And they start running. <laughs> and word spreads perhaps a little bit like our little diagram before. One person tells two people who tells two people, and soon all the towns nearby know exactly where they're going, and and the whole lot of them run there. And so when they arrive, there's this massive crowd. The disciples are probably, oh, I don't know how you would be, you know, really looking forward to some time alone with Jesus, and you get there, and there's well, maybe 10,000 people. We know from the end of this there were 5,000 men. One of the other accounts tells us that there were um, women and children as well, of course. So maybe 10,000 people altogether. <laughs> the exact opposite of, uh, of no one. Everyone seems to have come. It is interesting reading the different accounts. Um, Matthew talks about Jesus' healing Mark talks about Jesus teaching. Luke talks about Jesus teaching and healing. John gives us some more detail about the conversation with the disciples about the food. Uh, Each of them have a a different emphasis, um, picking up particular details because they want to teach a particular thing. Um, It's always good, isn't it, to compare the accounts. It helps us to build a, a picture of everything that happened. But at the same time, the Spirit has a particular thing to teach us through Mark which is why Mark has recorded these particular details. So we're not going to worry too much about what the others said. We're going to focus particularly on on what Mark shows us because that will help us to understand what Mark is teaching. Jesus sees the crowd and he has compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Now, in the UK, sheep without a shepherd isn't too much of a disaster, is it? I mean, we see field after field of sheep without a shepherd. They've got a nice fence around them. The field is full of lovely green grass. There's probably a trough with some water nearby. Um, unlikely to come across a lion um, feeling a, a bit peckish and to pick, peck off uh, one of the sheep, unless there's an escapee from the local zoo. Um, but the sheep are, are okay here. In Israel then, and many parts of the world now, that's not the case. Uh, grass would not be abundant. Stuff that they could eat would not be abundant. And the shepherd would need to lead the sheep to places where they could find enough food. Uh, sheep without a fence, and sometimes with a fence, a farmer will tell you, um, wander off. <laughs> they don't really think so much about where they're going, and they can wander off into places which really are quite dangerous for them. And of course, in Israel, there were predators, and the shepherd needed to protect the sheep from the predators as well as stop them from wandering off. And if one did wander off, go and find it and bring it back. So as Jesus looks at the people, he looks at them and he thinks spiritually, here are, here are people who need someone to lead them to soul food. 
How, how are their souls going to be fed? They haven't got a shepherd to take them to, to what's going to feed them uh, all the way into eternal life. They're, they're prone to wander off into dangerous places spiritually. They need a, a shepherd to bring them back. And they're likely to face danger from predators, the spiritual forces of evil that will come and attack them. They need someone to protect them from those things. And so Jesus looks and has compassion. Now I wonder if the people, that crowd, are not so different from us today and our world today. Do we know where to go to get spiritual food? Food that's going to take us all the way into eternal life? Do we know um, when we're in danger of wandering off into something dangerous? Can we protect ourselves from the spiritual forces of evil? I think the time for a clear and compassionate guide, a clear and compassionate shepherd, is now just as it was then. And what's interesting is the way that Jesus shepherds them. So he looks at them, they look as if they were like sheep without a shepherd, and so he begins to teach them many things. And the way that the Lord Jesus shepherds his people is with his teaching. And we have his teaching today, and still he shepherds us through his words. It's why leaders of churches are called pastors, or as the Apostle Peter would call us, under-shepherds. The role of the pastor is to lead people to the teaching of the Lord Jesus in the scriptures. And through that, the Lord Jesus wants to take us to every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. He wants to, to feed us. So as we see with the miracle with the food, so we're not just satisfied, but we're um, filled with good things from heaven. Obviously, that's what the, the church needs but it's what the crowd outside the church needs. Um, if you find yourself somebody who's uh, looking in on YouTube, who's not been part of the church, um, Christians love trying to answer questions. Um, if you've got questions, even if you're, of course, if you're in the church as well, if you've got questions, why not get hold of one of the elders here, uh, one of the members here? Type the question in the YouTube chat. Someone will get back to you. It's not saying that we can give you a satisfactory answer to all your questions. We'd love to be able to. <laughs> but we love pointing you to the Lord Jesus and his teaching because that is what's going to shepherd us into eternal life. Jesus has this great compassion for the people. That's why he came. In fact, his compassion was so great that he came to lay down his life for them. In John's Gospel, it reminds us, doesn't it, that he is the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That is the extent of his love for us. And here we see it by the way that he taught the people, a genuine compassion. And as the church has a genuine compassion for the world around us, what we really need to do is, is to take the teaching of Jesus into the world so that Jesus can be shepherding people to himself.
Jesus' compassion for his crew and his compassion for the crowd. In a moment, we're going to think about the compassion of the Christ in a little bit more detail. But before we do that, we're going to sing. We have um, answers with the Lord Jesus Christ that we don't find anywhere else. It's a, a song that reminds us of that, and this passage is reminding us of that as well. So we see, uh, obviously, that there is a problem as we think about uh, the compassion of the Christ. Uh, the disciples see it. It's getting late in the day. Nobody's got any food. <laughs> what are we going to do? Well, there are three impossible solutions. The disciples' solution is send them away, verse 36, uh, to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and, and find food to eat. Go and get themselves something to eat. Uh, that's, I don't think that's going to work. So the surrounding villages, probably the biggest of them would maybe be 200 people big, not very big. There's not going to be food for 10,000 people in the surrounding places. So Jesus says, well, you, you give them something to eat. Uh, the disciples' response is, well, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread, half a year's wages, effectively, of bread? I don't think that's going to work either. I mean, you could try it once lockdown's over. Go into Greg's. Ten grand of bread, please. <laughs> I'm not sure they're going to have an answer other than to laugh. That's not going to work. Well, how much have you got? How many loaves do you have, says Jesus? And so there's a search made, uh, and they find, and we know from the other accounts, don't we, there's a boy with, with five loaves and two fish. That isn't, I don't know if you've ever tried to make food stretch to a larger crowd than you're expecting, but that's not going to cut it. <laughs> it's, it's not going to do more than about three people, not the massive crowd that's there. It, it must be clear to the disciples that there's a big problem in terms of finding food for these people to eat. Jesus already knows what he's going to do. So he arranges a garden party. Why do I say a garden party? It was interesting that the two words um, translated here, groups. So verse 39, when he commanded them to sit down in groups on the green grass, so they sat down in groups by hundreds and fifties. Those two words have two different um, kind of root meanings. The first one is, is kind of the size of a party, and the second one is to do the size of a garden. So Jesus is, is it, um, doing a garden party, which is exciting. <laughs> and they get them to sit in the, in the hundreds and the fifties. And then he just does something very simple. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looks up to heaven and, and gives a, a simple prayer of thanks to his father and starts handing it out. Few of us were talking at Cafe Church yesterday as exactly what this miracle would have looked like. How did the, the bread and the fish multiply? We don't know. Mark doesn't tell us. Neither do the other gospel writers. But it did. There's this incredible miracle. Just, can I plug Cafe Church? It's great. You should come. <laughs> out, out goes the food. And out it keeps going. And it doesn't stop until the whole crowd is fed and is satisfied you know that kind of comfortably full feeling that leaves you thinking ah oh, i could just do with a nap now that would be just right 
I imagine it's that kind of feeling that they all have. And not only are they all fed and satisfied, but there's ten ba- sorry, 12 baskets of food left over afterwards. They are, they are well supplied and more than well supplied. You might remember Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 4. Man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Well, they've been fed from Jesus' mouth, and now they've been fed with their stomachs, in both cases, amply supplied for all of their needs. But what is this miracle about? Uh, Some people will tell you it's about um, feeding the poor, but Mark doesn't tell us it's about feeding the poor. There's no mention of the poor. Most likely, many of the people there were poor, but in a crowd that size, there's going to be all kinds of people there. That's not to say that we shouldn't feed the poor. (laughs) That's worth making that clear, isn't it? The scripture is very clear that that, uh, we should do all we can to take care of those in need, but not here. That's a different part of the Bible. Um, It's not that... The point of it is not that God can take our little efforts and make a big thing of them. Now, of course he can. The Lord can do uh, immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. But that's what, not what this is about. We have a couple of clues. So just a little bit above um, this passage in Mark chapter 6, you've got the uh, story of where King Herod um, beheads John the Baptist and the story comes there because it keeps our focus on who Jesus is. Herod is, uh, has heard about Jesus, particularly because of this ministry of the apostles when they were sent out. And he says, I think Jesus is John the Baptist reincarnated um, because I beheaded him. And that's why miraculous powers are at work in him. Now, if you've read Mark's gospel, you know that can't be true because we see John the Baptist and Jesus at the same time. Um, but that's what Herod was saying. And then with the rest of the story, we see the reason that Herod wouldn't listen to John the Baptist and understand what he was saying because of his pride. That's why John the Baptist ended up being killed. And pride can keep us from Jesus. So that's the first clue, that, that Herod is, is talking about who is Jesus. And Mark is using that to remind us. This is one of the big things he's showing us in the first half of his gospel. And then the other big clue is in the miracle that comes after Um, Another famous miracle of Jesus where he walks across the top of the water. And at the end of that miracle, the disciples are utterly astounded. And Mark tells us because they didn't understand about the loaves. So what what is it that we have to understand about the loaves that would make us entirely unsurprised that Jesus walks across the surface of the water? Well, let me run you through very quickly. Um, the clues that Mark gives us. We're going to track and trace Jesus. So, Jesus says, sorry, Mark tells us that when Jesus looks, it looks, they look like sheep without a shepherd. That comes up particularly in two significant parts of the Old Testament. Number one, in Numbers 27, Moses says, when God says, um, you're not going to lead the people into the promised land, um, Moses says to God, well, you need to give them another leader because otherwise they'll be sheep without a shepherd. And Mark is showing us that Jesus here is the leader that Moses is talking about. 
I mean, when was the last time that the Jews were in a desolate place being fed miraculously? Well, it was the manna, wasn't it? Moses prayed and the Lord provided the manna. Jesus gives thanks and provides the bread himself. He is a step up from Moses. In Ezekiel 34, that's the other bit where um, the people are like sheep without a shepherd. And there God says, I myself will come and shepherd my people. Who is it who comes and shepherds the people? Well, it's the Lord Jesus Christ. The Christ, the Son of God. God as a man is here to shepherd his people. Um, If we think a little bit more about the water miracle, well, we know from from Job chapter 9, it's only the Lord who treads on the waves. And Jesus says something very interesting in that part where he goes to them across the water, that he intended to pass them by. Now, we think back to Moses. When the Lord passed him by, declaring his name, showing him who he was. And of course, his name, the Lord, means I am. What did Jesus say when he sat in the boat with the disciples? Well, if you've got a Bible there, you can see it. Take heart, it is I. Or literally, in the Greek, I am. Which reminds us, of course, then, of Exodus chapter 34, when God passes by in front of Moses and declares to him who he is. What's the first thing he says about himself? The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Who is it who is having compassion on his disciples? Who is it who's having compassion on the crowd? It's the Lord of glory come down walking amongst us. Lots of people have this idea that that God is, is far away and out of reach. But in the Lord Jesus Christ, God says, no, I want to come and walk with you and be with you. What we are seeing here is the compassion of God the Son. His compassion for his people, his compassion for the world at large. And in a time when we desperately need someone who's, who's going to show us that kind of compassion, when we have so many questions about life and death, surely we desperately need this one who has this much compassion. Someone who's not trying to score political points or to get a job or keep a job, but someone who came, in fact, with so much compassion, he was willing to give his life to be our saviour. So perhaps you're tuning in today, maybe for the first time. Maybe you've never been in a church building except for maybe a wedding or a funeral. But you're beginning to ask questions because of the way the world is at the moment. Can we point you to Jesus? Can we show you the one who is uh, the creator, who can create things from nothing with the bread? the one who has this much compassion, who is concerned about you. Or perhaps you're somebody who's, who's part of a church, part of this church, and you're just feeling drained and tired. Are you spending that time away with him? Do you need to spend some time away? Do you need to say, actually, I need to step away for a moment? 
just for a while, so that I can spend some time with Jesus. And if, as a church, you long for the compassion of Christ to reach out to the world around you, neighbors, friends, family, work colleagues, well, the place that starts is in the quiet place with Jesus. The, the energy, the work of Christ that you need in your own heart starts in the quiet place with Jesus. And if you're not regularly there, if you're not drawing on his power, if you're not looking to him to transform your heart that it might be compassionate like his, well, you won't be able to do the work that he's got for you to do. When the neighbor's ill, when your work colleague perhaps has a bereavement, when your mate's marriage breaks, when people need food, or just the ordinary, everyday, non-disastrous things of life, (laughs) how will you be able to show the compassion of Christ? Well, the first place is, is that quiet place. And then it's to lead him, sorry, lead them to his teaching, to his words, the compassion of the creator. And through his words, he draws people in to know his love and his kindness, to feed them spiritually all the way into eternal life. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much that you are compassionate and gracious slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And we pray, Lord, for ourselves that we would know this. We pray that we might have time to come aside a while uh, to a quiet place, a deserted place, where we may uh, sit in your presence and be blessed, Lord, by your mercy. And we pray, Lord, too, that you might be at work in our own hearts, uh, that we might be full of this same compassion Uh, for the world around us, for uh, those who uh, are brothers and sisters with us in Christ and for those who um, as yet don't know the wonder and the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. May they see it in us and may that show them the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.